to 600 Pixels, a podcast that goes below the fold of the World Wide Web to see how professionals in the industry design and build better digital experiences for everyone. My name is Travis Self, a front-end developer here at LifeBlue. And I'm Caitlin Studley, Director of Culture here at LifeBlue. Today we're sitting down with Claire Tolbert. She's a performance engineer with Alchemy, and we're chatting with her about her career in technology, her time with Women Who Code, the local DFW organization uh, for women in tech, as well as how developers can best learn from each other, uh, including the politics of asking questions in your development environment. So let's give it a listen. Hope you guys enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Claire. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Uh, It is nice to have you finally in our office instead of us gazing lovingly at your office out of our window. Yeah, that's the funny (laughs) thing. Like, what? So, what floor and what window can I look for you in? Um, I'm on the tenth floor, and I face out the um, northwest side. So I can. I'm sorry. I am terrible at cardinal directions. So. <laughs> kind of north. <laughs> well, so the cafeteria actually faces y'all. I'm on the other side of the cafeteria, so I can't see y'all from where I sit, but I can see the big interchange down here. Mm. So if you're I'm in sorry, the cafeteria, side is where I am. See, I'm not good with I cardinal mean, directions. Where's the IKEA? Where's the IKEA? Just That's all we need to yeah, know. Yeah, in relation to IKEA. I'm across from IKEA. I can see IKEA from okay. my desk. Okay, so you can't see us. Correct. That's a bummer. We wave to you every day, Claire. I had I well, held up a sign the other day that said, "Hey, Claire, how's it going? Would you like to join me for 4 p.m. soup?" And you never even texted me back. <laughs> no, but knows. see, the the good news is I was in the cafeteria to see that. I just wasn't down for 4 p.m. soup. <laughs> so I didn't so you saw the sign. And I you left said, you on red. I don't want any of that. <laughs> for those who don't know, Claire is our neighbor over at Alchemy, uh, which is right across from the Life Blue offices. So when we are sitting in our kitchen enjoying our morning coffee. Uh, we can wave to the alchemy folks uh, or hang out on our balcony and just brag about how we have a balcony and be like, yeah, it's so nice that. out here. <laughs> you guys can't enjoy the outside because we're jerks. <laughs> uh, but Claire is a performance engineer with Alchemy. And so uh, she does .NET development. She's a super cool, badass uh, backend developer. And we invited her on the podcast today uh, to talk to us a little bit about her career and maybe some lessons she's learned along the way. And we're hoping that she can share some of her wisdom with us. Ooh. So wise. This will be a short podcast. <laughs> <laughs> sharing my wisdom. <laughs> That's all it is. Well, yeah. you know what? It is a short podcast. It's only 30 minutes long. That's true. That's true. That's so short. No pressure, Claire. No, I know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, well, why don't we start uh, by having you tell us a little bit, maybe just about how you got into development and your career so far, maybe kind of high level how you ended up at Alchemy and, and what you do. And then maybe we can talk a little bit more about uh, some of those different uh, stops in your career. Yeah, this feels like a job interview. This is fun. Um, <laughs> so you get to see me in interview mode. If you were... <laughs> If you wanted to be a appliance, a kitchen appliance. Yeah. Which is this one would y'all ask in Which one would you be? No. We absolutely do not. <laughs> <laughs> but I've heard that I've heard that before. That's a awful. stupid question That's like that. I like, once got asked if you were a candy bar, which candy bar would you in be? In an interview? Oh and goodness. I said, 
hundred grand pay up. <laughs> hundred grand. That's my <laughs> salary request. I like that. Boom. I got asked uh, if you could be any insect, which would you be? And I said an what? ant. So what is the correct um, answer to that? Like, I don't know. In an interview, just, I have no idea. I think. Well, I think that there's something to be said about those sort of questions, though. That there isn't a right answer. Right. Yeah. But that so I want to see you what you have to say. Yeah. However. I think that asking someone to come up with something like creative on the spot yeah. is kind of cruel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of people in that moment, you're nervous, your heart's racing, whatever. Right. You're just trying to think of the right answers. And so you don't think, oh, let me take a break. Let me take a moment. You're like, you're lucky just charms. Like, Wait, that's not a candy bar. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> exactly. I'll just share myself ants. out the door. <laughs> I said ants, and then I was like, wait, is, are ants insects? I don't know. Can you hand me an insect? And they Can said, get out. Yeah. Uh, do you have a chart? Can I pick one? The correct answer <laughs> is... my options? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, so that's how I ended up at Alchemy. Okay. All right. Um, oh, they were the ones who asked you that question? Ant was the correct that's answer. True. All right. So um, if I ever apply at I Alchemy... Don't know what the correct answer is. And I don't know that that person... I think it's answer. praying mantis. Yeah. <laughs> So that I can eat people. I don't know what they do. You can eat your mate. Don't they? Yeah, they like eat each other. They pray. <laughs> they do pray. I already love the direction this is headed. This pray. is great. <laughs> P R E Y. So this is right on point. This is fine. <laughs> so Claire, how did you end up a developer? Um, Tell us your life story. So uh, I always say that development is in my blood because my dad is a computational chemist and my mom oh. is a web and graphic designer. Um, so. I grew up around technology, which is something that not a lot of people are fortunate enough to say. And um, like, I had a really um, cool Apple. I think it was the Apple II or was something. Is it the like one with the colored the thing? No, it was it was like tan, and like it gets it like patinas. Ooh. It was that old school. It was all one piece mm-hmm. with the monitor, and you yep. put the CD in and everything. Okay, so no, was, I, got I still you. remember that from yeah. when we lived in Idaho. Um, so I was always surrounded by it. Um, I I kind of. I got it in ways that I think um, just helped me later in life. Uh, my summer between eighth and ninth grade, um, my dad's boss had this 30-page, very technical document that they needed to hand out to people at the conference. And um, they found out that Word back in that time, which was a long time ago, uh, would crash after like 20 pages of, because we're talking about special symbols for chemical equations and things like that. Word would just crash after like 20 pages of it. And this was hand transcribed. So uh, my dad introduced me to something called LaTeX, spelled L-A-T-E-X. And it's basically like a markup language. Think of it kind of like HTML and CSS had, or not CSS, um, but kind of, it's hard to describe. It's very much like, HTML, um, but it's not a programming language. It's just like a markup language, and it's it's you design documents in it. So I spent a summer with a giant um, book that was all of the syntax in it, <laughs> transcribing this document. And I, I turned to my dad one day, and I'm like, I don't know why your employees complain about programming. This is so easy. Hmm. Anytime I don't know the answer, I just look it up. And he's like, if more people understood that, I would have a way better job. Stackoverflow.com. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, so then I, in high school, I would sling, um, custom MySpace themes to my friends. Yeah. Did you charge? Five or 10 bucks. Ooh, dang. See, um, I didn't do that. And you know what I was doing? I was doing a true programmer <coughs> style where I was being lazy. I would just look up existing custom oh, things. Oh yeah. And then and I would ask people him. to pick up, uh, pick colors, like send me hex codes and mm. things like that. So there 
also doing all of the work of picking hex colors because your girl does not do design. Yep. <laughs> uh, so they're picking all that. And then I would ask them, you know, send me any images you like, like any really cool rose with a thorn next to it. <laughs> and I would replace all these images and change the hex values and maybe shift the profile picture over five pixels or something ridiculous and then charge them $10. And Dang. they could have done it themselves. But, you know, that's the secret of programming. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people could just do it themselves. We don't. Yeah. We're not. You, you're not supposed to. We're going to cut that out. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> you just gave away the secret. It's true. It's true. My bad. Um, yeah. So then uh, I like to say that in college, I spent uh, six years and a lot of my dad's money trying not <laughs> to become my father. <laughs> and then I became my father. Because <laughs> uh, I, I dropped out at one point completely and then kind of realized, no, I need to get a degree and I need to do something. So I just went hard back at it for two and a half years, got my degree, um, ended up getting a job out in Richardson, which is just outside DFW, and I've been here ever since. I, I told my parents um, when I was nine, we used to spend summers out here, uh, just an hour and a half east of Dallas, and I told my parents since I was nine, I want to live in Dallas when I grew up, and they're like, okay, <laughs> okay, cool. And I've lived in all kinds of states all around America. I've never lived in Texas, and then my senior year of college, I get a job offer in Richardson, and my dad is like, I don't know how you did it. <laughs> so I'm like, wow. Okay, cool. <laughs> what did you end up getting a degree in? Uh, so my degree is a Bachelor of Business Administration in Computer Information Systems. Um, mm -hmm. Just kind of a touchy subject for some people. It's not a BS, um, and it's not in CS, but yep. it's definitely different. My dean, I owe a lot to her. Um, her whole brand was... Um, that something that you're learning your freshman year of college is probably going to be out of date by the time that you're graduating. So she always so said that I can't teach you what to learn, but I can teach you how to learn. So the focus was not, you know, taking four semesters of Java development. It was taking one semester of Java, one semester of C++, one semester of um, Unix, one semester, like just taking kind of all sorts of different things so that you're just ready to hop into anything anyone shoves in front of you mm -hmm. and become an expert very quickly, um, which was Smart. cool. And I still have to do that every day. I'm sure y'all do too. I think everyone has to do it. I yeah. don't think it's unique to technology, but uh, it definitely has shaped my worldview that I will never be an expert. I will never mm -hmm. check a box and say, okay, now yeah. I know everything. Yeah. So once you acquired your skill set, have you had the opportunity to work with others and help them learn? How has that ha kind of taken yeah. Uh, shape over your career uh so I was someone who always volunteered in high school and in college and things like that I think in school there are a lot of opportunities for that always just lingering around with student groups um and then I realized I graduated college and I just that huge pillar of my life of community service was gone and um in 2016 I think um I just kind of was at the tail end of a bad couple of years and said, you know what, I think I just need to give good back to the world and then I will get good. Um, and so I joined an organization called Bold Idea, which is a nonprofit uh, where they teach kids computer science. Um, so I worked with them for two years. I was a program advisor, so I would help uh, develop curriculum and then I would also actually teach all the kids. And a couple of my students I had for four semesters, back to back, five semesters, back to back. Um, which was really cool. And then in transition, because of that, I, uh, we started hosting at Alchemy. I still worked at another job and I met a bunch of alchemists and they were like, you need to come work here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I got a job at Alchemy 
And um, then through that, I uh, found out about Women Who Code because we hosted Women Who Code North Dallas meetings at Alchemy. For those who don't know, the local Women Who Code group has the Slack channel and, you know, being a member of that for many years now, gosh, I think I've been on that channel for like four years or something like that. I, you know, I'm, I'm always observing it's an extremely educational, supportive, inclusive environment, and there's lots of learning and kind of approaches and different things. So I'm always, always witnessing people giving each other advice and things like that. So I'm just kind of curious. I know yeah. it's manifested uh, that way for you and just maybe where you are. So just curious to know your thoughts. Uh, it's funny because I was just featured on this dot media on Twitter. And one of the questions in the, the form I was filling out for the interview was, um, kind of how I see inclusivity and I don't I don't think that it's any one thing I think it's an amalgamation of a lot of things but my my general thing is I think that anyone should be able to ask any question at any time at work and um, I will answer the same question twice that's fine uh, I don't I don't ever get hoity-toity about that because I understand that what we're doing is is highly demanding um, but I generally, I try to make sure that, that anyone who, if I'm the teacher in the moment, I want to make sure that anyone else in the room feels comfortable asking questions. So it comes from like little things of physically taking breaks and checking in with your students, if you will, um, checking in and making sure everyone's pretty good, um, but also just the kind of culture of, of making sure that they, that they understand that you can ask questions. Um, and it, it's kind of 50-50 for me. I think that education comes from, you have to be a good teacher. If, if, you know, in college you have professors who brag about having like a 60% dropout rate. They start day one, bah, they slam the door in the lecture hall and they go, look to your left and your right because two thirds of you are going to drop this class. That's a bad professor. Yeah. That's not the mark of success. Right. You need to teach better. Uh, and so I think that it's, it's, it's definitely on your shoulders when you're the teacher to make sure that the students are understanding what you're saying and specifically stop teaching it the same way every time I used to in in middle school and high school I taught um like uh what do you call it I tutored math at underprivileged schools and so I would hit these remedial math classes where these are like fifth graders struggling with second and third grade math and the thing that I learned is that you cannot just get the curriculum from the teacher and read it again to them because it hasn't worked so far it's not going to work this time you need to check in with them and say Explain to me, you know, for example, explain to me what you understand about this problem. Where are you at? Where do you think you would go? And let them describe it to you. Let them be wrong for a minute. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Because I bet there's like 20% in there that's right. And then they have very early on made a misjudgment that has led them down the wrong path later on. But you need to allow them to be wrong, not just pounce and say, nope, you're wrong. And here's the right answer. And here's why. Um, And then with that, you get to leverage, you know, okay, so that's where you're thinking about it. Well, then let let me readjust my course and and teach this a different way. And with math, that's really hard. We have very strict kind of guidelines of how we teach math. And that's where I... I'm having really bad flashbacks to (laughs) elementary school right now. I absolutely hate math. I I hate math so much. I'm so scarred. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and my, I still think it's in my blood. My grandma was a, was a math teacher too. And she loved it. She absolutely loved it. She, she worked in schools with, with um, a lot of remedial classes and, and her pride and joy was getting people to understand things that, you know, that other people are failing to teach them. I think that's 
a mark of true success. Others have tried and others have failed and I have succeeded. Um, so that leads into development where um, it's what I was just talking to a coworker about this today, which is hilarious. The timing is great. Um, he was saying that he was struggling with something. He's working on interfaces in C Sharp and he's trying to write his first one. Um, and he said that a teammate of his who was very senior came by, sat with him for three hours and then left and you know, had written code and whatever, and he sent me a, a portion of the code, and he said, I don't understand any of this. And I said, okay, I think two things <laughs> happened here. I think one, you gotta speak up, my dude. <laughs> Someone's at your desk for three hours writing code. Are you just nodding along and, and not yeah. saying anything? And, and two, obviously, that senior developer should have checked in more often and said, you know, here's the keyboard back. How about you write mm -hmm. something? Yeah, now? take yeah. a turn. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. I uh, like troubleshooting. You can't teach someone to troubleshoot, right? You, yeah. you, there's no magic wand that I can wave in front of you and impart my tribal knowledge of how alchemy's inner workings work. I can't do that. But what I can do is when I'm stuck and I tap someone more senior and they come over and they go, oh, you know what? We should check this log and do this. Da, da, da. I stop them right there and I say, okay, how did you know to check that log? Mm -hmm. How did you know that log existed? How do you know where it is? How do you know which system, which thing is pumping that out? Like there was some knowledge in there that I don't have. Teach me that. Mm -hmm. And then I can read a log file. I, yeah. I can figure out what's up chucking. Right. I can go from there. But when someone just like magically pulls up some file that you didn't know exists, stop. And right there, stop. How did you know that existed? Okay, next question. Are there other logs like this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you know that <laughs> I don't? Hold on. And it, it, sometimes it seems like that's not the time, but I, I think that that is absolutely the time because yeah. otherwise that's what happens. You get railroaded by someone who's more senior, who just knows how to do something, and they have that thought process, which all of us do sometimes. It's not unique to, to bad teachers, but they have that thought of, if I just do it, it will be done faster and it will be done better. And now you're at a bus factor of one. <laughs> Yeah. And that's not fun for anyone. Uh, so I like, I, that's my favorite thing to do is like heat of the moment troubleshooting, especially if, if I'm the person leading a troubleshooting session with someone else, I'm verbalizing my thought process. I'm starting like, okay, I'm going to look at this log first because it's the highest level and it's probably going to up chuck first. If I see something in here, then I'll trace that down. If we don't see anything in here, okay, next we're going to look at these few things because these are our major services. Da, da, da. And you better have a notebook and you better be yeah, taking notes right. and stop me if you don't understand. That's fine but mm. but verbalize what you're what you're going through um because then then that's um a lot more things that you can pick up that's another thing that i have seniors do if they're if they want to be like a keyboard warrior and just take it and go i'm like mm, okay tell me what you're doing and why then. yeah yeah <laughs> talk out your thought process. to your point sometimes it just is like well let me just get your keyboard real quick yeah we'll be out of here in five minutes <laughs> exactly. but yeah we uh we have a we call it a 15 minute rule where it's like if you've you know, if you're troubleshooting something or you're trying to solve something and it's been more than 15 minutes and you're still stuck on it, yeah. grab somebody else, you know, yeah. basically. Cause you're exactly. just, if it's 15 minutes, it's like, that's too much. Like, yeah, we have that during our deployment windows. If you you're guys like have troubleshooting something, you know, if you deployed something, a service went down, mm -hmm. you work on it for 15 minutes, but we have defined deployment windows. We have to be back up by yeah. some time. Yeah. So if you're troubleshooting something and you spend 15 minutes, you page up a level. Yeah. If they get on and they can't solve it within like five minutes, depending on the severity, then they page up a level until, you know, if it takes getting our CTO. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. 
excuse me. So 15 is the magic number, I guess. Yeah. 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 That's cool. That we've deemed it. Yeah. We've deemed it as like, that's too long. 15 minutes. Yeah. I mean, anyway. I feel like it's enough time to get into the nitty gritty of something, but not overdoing it. So you can get pretty far in 15 minutes and you have, by 15 minutes, you should have a pretty good idea. Like, I'm onto this or yeah. I'm screwed and I really need some help. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly. the thing is if you, when I'm doing it, I'm like, if I'm at 15 minutes, but I'm hot on the trail, yeah. I'm going to let it slide a little bit. If yeah. it's sure. like, oh, I've pulled up six logs and I just found out this service existed. I didn't even know this was a thing. Yeah. So I'm going to bounce this and I'm going to try this again. But when you're at like the 10 minute mark and you're like, mm, I think I've tried everything. Then you, you know yeah. that it's yeah. about to be time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It probably helps keep the <laughs> the ego in check as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. So, yes, but we, yeah, we pay everyone too much to have them just spinning their wheels for yeah, hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Especially if it's something that definitely shouldn't take fifteen minutes. You know. Yeah. It's like let somebody else kind of walk you through it, and then absolutely all as well. Yeah, because the and person sitting it. yeah, <laughs> document it. yeah. <laughs> the person sitting next to you might literally just know how to do that thing. Yeah, so there's no it. point in trying to reinvent yeah. the wheel when that person can say, "Oh, let me walk you through this." Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that was always so hard for me uh like as a junior developer um was knowing when to tap someone. Uh my first job out of college was definitely still kind of stuck in the 80s. We had individual cubes with high walls, and it was like very much. Here are your t- here are your tickets. Here are your tasks. Go do this thing. Um, and so I never really knew when to tap someone and when not to. And it, it's it feels like this really hard line to kind of tread because if you engage too early, then you didn't work hard enough. But if you engage too late, then you wasted everybody's time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the thing that I've tried to kind of perpetuate. Um, and, and later on things is I'm, I'm certainly not a senior developer, but I think that in certain teams, I've at least been able to bring new sort of ideas on board, um, where we have, we have like a team agreement or something like that. So, um, on my last team, it was, it was kind of fun since we're in a very open environment. Um, sometimes, you know, your head's down coding, but we don't really know that you're in a I'm in a zone, I'm jamming out, I have my headphones on, you know, sometimes maybe somebody still interrupts you. So we got this set of like mini traffic cones. Everybody Mm. had a set at their desk and we had red, uh, orange, yellow, and green. And we made like a little sign for everyone. So red was do not disturb. I'm heads down encoding, I'm researching something, whatever. Do not disturb me. Orange is like, I'm working on a deadline. So if you're interrupting me, it's because I'm Mr. Bus Factor 1 or Mrs. Bus Factor Mm -hmm. 1. Yellow was like you're finishing up a pull request or something like that. I can't remember exactly. It was like free for troubleshooting, I think, something like that. Uh, And then green was like free to chat. And so we would leave out our cones um, so that we just, you could tell. Like you, you hit a roadblock, you turn around and say, oh, okay. Ian has his red cone out. I'm going to leave him alone for a minute. <laughs> Nate, what's up? Why don't you come by and help me no, out? No, that's cool. We could use a system <laughs> like that here. We have, the closest thing we have is um, on Slack. Do you guys use Slack? Yeah. So on Slack, you set a status or whatever. We have a, if it's the stop sign thing, mm-hmm. that means you're, that's oh, the I red like traffic that. cone. Essentially. But it, but that's yeah. the, as far as it goes. And that's not visual where you can see it. Right. You have to be in Slack to know that. 
People but, also and don't usually it's also pay. headphones. If the headphones are on and you have beast mode, it's like, do not bother that person. <laughs> don't bother me. Yeah. I'm trying to get stuff done. But I like the traffic cone thing. That's cool. Yeah, the traffic cone It was fun. Cool. It, we definitely got some flack at first. Other people were like, oh, what's going on? And then, like, that was the thing is once we started really doing it and seeing the power of it where – because I think, I think that there is a myth that non-developers are the people who are more – likely to interrupt someone who has headphones on i think it is developers who are no comments on. they are the worst because they are insistent that i know i shouldn't interrupt you right now but my problem is more important and they are the worst offenders but once we had established this we had signs up and because we basically had like a pod of of little cubes uh or open desk area things um and so once we had established it, you know, other people come by and I would see, you know, Carrie has her headphones on and has her red cone out. And if someone starts to walk up, no, 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 ask me, yeah. ask me, what do you need? <laughs> I got a green cone. What do you need? I just, I just committed all my code. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. no, that's cool. I won't comment on whether it's developers or not that always bother me at my desk. Well, unfortunately... <laughs> Your back is to yeah. My back is to the everybody. entire yeah. business, so, so everyone you, just loves to come up and chat me up get all day long. Startled, right? I do sometimes get startled. Sometimes. Like a little velvet rope, and then one of those like bakery. I need take a, a number thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need a bouncer is or what a I mirror. Need. Yes. At least a mirror oh. so you can see. I oh. do. I need like a little rear view mirror for my. That's a lot of people at Alchemy desk. have those mirrors, and it kind of. I don't know. I don't know that I would want that because. I'll tell you. I feel like it would distract me a lot. When I have, because I'm the same way, I face out a window. And so yeah. my back is to the whole floor. And so if someone comes up to me when I have headphones on and I've got code up on all my screens, I want them to experience jarring me from this moment. <laughs> I want them to experience this and know, like, to know, okay, how important is this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's fine. It's, it's a lot. So um, going back to like asking for help knowing when to ask for help and all that kind of stuff sometimes it feels like junior developers like you said are sometimes afraid to ask for help Mm -hmm. because maybe they think oh you know i should know this if i ask i'm gonna look like i don't belong here anymore or whatever do you have have you experienced developers like that and how do you help them through stuff like that yeah we um absolutely i've been that developer i've been on the other side of being that developer um my thing, and, and this is part of actually my current team's agreement, is I, I will answer any question. I will never treat you like an idiot as long as you prove that you have tried something. Like, so if I'm, I'm always going to come back to troubleshooting because I feel like that's where 90% of problems come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're troubleshooting something and, and it's um, some issue, you're just getting, it's C-sharp. You're just getting an object reference error. Something super simple. It's probably, you just don't have that defined somewhere. Okay, cool. Show like what did you Google? What did you start with? What did you look at? Because that's a very simple error message that a lot of people get all the time. It's a very straightforward way to fix it. Um, where the problem is, we'll find out. But yeah. but just kind of prove to me that you've tried something that you didn't just experience an error immediately turn to me and yeah. tap me. Mm-hmm. And then that's fine. If if you don't even know what to Google, if you come to me and say like well, I was working on this and then I tried this and then I did this and all of those things are the wrong things to do. I don't care. You tried something. That's okay. And then we can go from there. But I think that that's the mark of 
a good developer or maybe just a good employee is these are the things that I've already tried and now I'm coming to you because I value your time. Yeah. Um, so we have the same thing. My, my team lead is very much a person where I know that I can ask him any question and he never makes me feel like an idiot unless I've tried nothing. If I just turn to him the second I hit a roadblock, because sometimes sometimes you have that in your mind where you're like, oh, certainly so-and-so has dealt with this. I'm just going to go ask him real quick. Yeah. And sometimes I do that where I think it's like a unique error to Alchemy's code or something like that. And you know, he's worked there for five years or something. So he, at this point, has written a lot. <laughs> I mean, he's just a wizard. And so I'll just turn and be like, oh, yeah, da, da, da. And he goes, well, did you Google it? I'm like, oh, shoot. Okay, so this isn't this isn't a unique problem. This <laughs> is like a C-sharp problem. Oh, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's tricky. When I worked at the Iron Yard, which for those listening, used to be a boot camp here in Dallas, RIP, mm-hmm. uh, that was one of the challenges that we had, which was, Oftentimes, sometimes it was pure laziness and students just wanted the answer. Uh, But sometimes it was uh, just the fear uh, of losing your confidence and putting yourself down the wrong path. And they didn't even want to try anything. It was like, hit a roadblock or I'm stuck. And it's like, okay, what are you stuck on? Like, this is never going to work. No business will ever want to hire you if you're not willing to try something. I mean, don't just start breaking stuff and, you know. (laughs) Just edit the main CSS. Yeah. 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 Don't don't go effing everything up. But you have to start somewhere and, like, try something. And so it was very much a part of the coaching that we would do was, like, what's the appropriate amount of time, right? Like, depending on what you're working on. If you're working on your own personal, yeah. (laughs) Like, if you're working on your own personal project, sure. You can, and no one else is available and around, you can struggle with it for an hour but if someone's online if someone's on slack just poke them and say hey i've tried a bunch of stuff are you available to help me troubleshoot this and it was a really difficult thing and it's like you know they'd get sent home with homework and then come back the next day and be like well i didn't do it and it's like well why didn't you do it well i got stuck it's like 10 of your classmates were online last night like you didn't ask a single one of them like you need to ask for help don't just struggle and then come back the next day and now you're even further behind because you didn't ask a simple question that anybody would have been happy to help you with so I think that that is a really big challenge for junior devs because they don't want to seem stupid especially when you add in you know just the social structures of being intimidated by other people who are better than you or you perceive them to be better than you and like travis said like you don't want your employer to be like why am i paying you you don't even know how to do this when in reality i mean i am obviously not a developer but technology changes so quickly there's no way anybody would have all the answers like that's exactly what i was going to say that 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 we have this fear early on of like, I don't want to look stupid. Spoiler alert, we're all stupid. Yep. Like there's And you would day. look you would look stupider if it came out that you spent two hours on right. something. That's stupider. If, if your teammate knows exactly how to fix that and could help right. you in five minutes. And then you can get better. And you didn't ask. Right. Okay, yes, now you look stupid. If you yeah. sat through an hour long code review and said nothing about questions that you legitimately had about code you were seeing that's getting merged into your repo. You should have said something, even when it's simple stuff. I mean, I will I will comment on the most rudimentary little things in a code review just because I don't understand it. Like we recently won uh, this. A certain value was hard coded. And I was like, it was just this value equals 10. And I was like, "Mm, why? And so I added a comment. And then sure enough, he came back and said, oh, da, da, da whatever it's this magic number it's a constant here's documentation whatever here's why we're doing it i was like okay cool one i know that now (laughs) and two 
I want when later on, if it comes back around and it's like, mm, why is this hard coded? Your girl commented on it on the <laughs> request. So I asked about it. Just just let the record show. Yeah, you said magic <laughs> magic numbers. Like we yeah. sometimes we just put if it's a if it's a hard coded number and there's no way of knowing how that number came to be, but whoever developed it knows how they got mm-hmm. to it. Sometimes we'll just comment like magic number. It's yes. okay. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Oh, that's my biggest beef in the world, there are a couple people uh, who I know who insist that good code does not require comments. And that mm. lights a fire within Yeah, me. I don't, I don't agree with that. You think that it doesn't require comments because you understand that train of thought. Yeah. Someone else later on is not necessarily going to understand that same thing. Unless your application is four lines of code that right. takes two numbers, adds them together, and then displays the result. Yeah. No one is guaranteed to understand your train of thought. And you might not even understand it three years from now. Exactly. That, that's what kills me. So anytime I see a PR with no comments at all, I'm like, mm nope uh okay no. uh, <laughs> <laughs> i have thoughts and if they're like oh well it's obvious okay why is it obvious explain to me why it's obvious yeah, say it in one sentence and then put two flags <laughs> in front of it <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> exactly tricked you thank you because <laughs> how many times have we been there we're we're like deep because that's the thing it's never a happy it's never a happy moment at like 10 a.m. on a Tuesday. It will be 9.30 at night on a Thursday and you had dinner plans with someone and you have canceled them because an escalation hit your desk for some client that's going live on Monday and you got to solve this problem and you are elbow deep in code and you finally, finally hit this moment where you're like, okay, so this is what's calling it. And then you get desperate. So you do a get blame and you pull it up and you find out exactly who did it and there's no explanation in a pull request or there's no explanation in a comment or no or in a commit message or anything like that. And you're just like, why? It's that XKCD comic. It's a Denver Coder 97. What were you thinking? <laughs> you're just staring at someone else's Git username thinking like, okay, but why did you do this? Like, this is now causing and then, problems. And then you're outside their house with like... <laughs> Pitchfork. Naturally. You know, you're like, <laughs> get blame? No, I know exactly who to go to. <laughs> I know where they live too. Outside in the rain or something. So yeah, feisty. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, I was gonna, oh yeah. So I was going to say like, or maybe I already said it. <laughs> this isn't going yeah, really more well. About like maybe like it, it'd be better to teach junior developers at, on the outset that like a good developer is a developer who asks questions. Like mm-hmm. that's what makes you a good developer yes. is asking questions, not being afraid to ask questions. Cause if you work with good developers and we all know that too, cause Good developers know that asking questions is what right. good developers do. So a good developer will be happy to answer a question from a junior developer. That's what you're supposed to do. It's the only way the you can learn. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and if you don't, if people aren't asking questions and you're sticking with status quo, and then that's when you get a stale product or mm-hmm. you get bugs that stick around for months that no one solves and no one catches. But if you just ask those questions earlier on, I mean, how many times have I been in a in a code review where we're going through dozens of files and you know we're completely revamping something and i'm like that seems weird should i ask yeah i'm gonna ask and then it's like this beautiful moment where they're like oh i didn't think about that yeah let me do this yes right you catch that and at pull request moment instead of post go live you're saving thousands of dollars (laughs) (laughs) exactly it's so much more important to ask them early ask them often and then and then you know deal with the consequences yeah exactly (laughs) 
what other advice, what, what parting advice uh, might you have uh, for junior devs apart from comment, comment on off. your code, comment your code ask, 15 questions. Minute ask questions? Um, I think it is easy to think that you are a cog in a machine and that is so untrue. Every single person who is hired to be a developer for a company is hired for their unique skill set. You don't know what it is. Maybe it's your personality. Maybe it's your laugh. Maybe it's the way you solved a problem in an interview. You don't know what it is, but you were hired specifically because of who you are. And that is meaningful and that is powerful. So when you think that you can't do it, you can. Um, You just have to realize who you were in that interview or who you were when you were in boot camp or who you were when you were solving that tough problem at 10 o'clock at night and you solved it and push forward because you are so meaningful to your company because of who you are um and it's so much more than comments in your code (laughs) well uh Mic drop. Okay. <laughs> I mean, can't say it any better than that. that was, yeah, uh, I'm just speaking to myself. <laughs> That's the thing. The best advice can be given if you just hold a mirror up to your face. <laughs> Very true. Um, well, no, yeah, that was great. So if people want to find you so they can mm. ask you for more wonderful advice. Oh, and yeah, uh, Don't follow me. It's just memes. Drops of wisdom. <laughs> uh, where, where can they find you on the interwebs? So I am across the board, just ask Claire. Um, on Twitter, on um, LinkedIn, on Facebook, on uh, Twitch, if that ever becomes alive again. My account, not Twitch in general. Uh, mm. <laughs> hint, and, hint. Uh, com. I have. I also have claire.dev, which makes me feel really cool. Dang. Oh, hey now. Uh, watch out. Um, mm-hmm. All over the, the interwebs. for that Google oh. domain. Oh, dang, <laughs> girl. Uh, yeah, so that's me across the board. It's mostly jokes and then lots of really passionate stuff about being good in technology and letting people ask questions awesome Awesome. travis where can they find us online if they want to 600px.fm noise and we are at 600px.fm on the tweets and you can find us on spotify soundcloud yeah pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts we should be in your ears so thanks for coming in and chatting with us today, Claire. This was awesome. We thanks can't wait to... Uh, I should talk like this more often into a mic with headphones on. It's it fun. makes me sound important. It's <laughs> fun. Yeah. I think I'm going to do this for my next code review. Awesome. You we love it. We look forward to it. Maybe uh, maybe we'll catch you on Twitch. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll see. 2020, I'm not sure yet what is going to happen, but it's going to be a big It's going to be something, and I'll announce it on Twitter when it happens. So. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Stay tuned, everybody. Thanks for listening. All right. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>